As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Just like if you're flying, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Right. That's my attitude. Like make sure that you're in, you and your husband are in good financial position first. And then from there you can provide financial benefits to your children. Cause if you're in a bad position financially, you can't provide that much help. Anyway. And then they strapped with helping us out someday. Hello, and welcome to Financials Podcast, Future Rich. My name is Barbara Ginty, and I'm your host and a CFP, which is a certified financial planner. And I have my guest here today, Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This is so fun. Yeah, I'm excited. So, Nancy, do you want to kind of give our listeners an overview? Sure, yeah. Kind of like age, job, that kind of stuff. Yeah, all that jazz. So, yeah, age, job, location like single partnered, that, that stuff. Yeah. Um, I am 29. I live in Augusta, Georgia and I am married. I've been married for about five years. We just had a baby. Oh, congrats. Um, Yeah. Really fun. Two month old. Oh, baby, baby. Yeah. Baby, baby. Yep. And I'm an engineer. I, uh, make just shy of 80, like 79, five. Okay. Yeah. And so my husband and I, everything is very joint. Both of our paychecks go into the same account and we just share everything. Perfect. And then what does your husband make? He makes like 46000 a year. Okay, um, he's in a nonprofit. So we get some good like tax benefits from that. But um, yeah. Perfect. Okay. And I have a spreadsheet. Not that it's a requirement for those <laughs> wondering if they want to come on the show. You do not have to have a spreadsheet to come on. I get that question. I feel like I should... Needed to answer that earlier. Um, you do not have to have a spreadsheet to come on the show, but we have lots of spreadsheets. It's not a requirement. I love it. <laughs> okay, so perfect. So, do you want to kind of talk me through your situation and some questions? Yeah, sure. So, um, you can see what our monthly what like drops into our account at the at the beginning of every or at the end of every month. Okay, so this is these are your monthly numbers, right? Yes. So, paycheck is thirty two forty four. Mine is forty two ninety five. 
And then, yeah, so then everything else kind of, like, goes into... we got a lot of categories here. We've got it all. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of categories because when we want to, like, at the end of a month, we'll go in and fill in what we actually spent and, like, see how that ended up, you know, for the month. Working out, yeah. Okay, so so you total bringing in a smidge over 6,000. Uh, no, it would be like 75, 75. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. So negative. Sorry. That would be like the, this. Yeah. Sorry. That's a little confusing. <laughs> that's okay. Everyone's spreadsheet's a little different. So I know. Yeah. So this, this category is a sum of everything we spend basic or everything that goes out of our account basically. Got it. Okay. Yes. I should have looked at that quick math. So you, you bring in 7,500 a month yes. and then you're spending Six, is that right? So that number underneath. Yeah, that's like our, that's including everything that goes out for like some different savings stuff. But yeah, that's the total. And then this is the kind of what's left over that we're looking, we're still looking at like what to do with. Okay. So we're bringing in 7,500. We're spending six, six to 100. We'll just keep it round numbers. Yeah, that's great. Okay. And then, so we have left over 700. So let's talk about where we're spending the 6,000. Okay. Yeah, so we have a mortgage. We have a 15-year mortgage. Oh, which, nice. You know, I, I sometimes regret, but that's what I decided was the right thing when we bought the house. Why, why do you regret it? Because it's the higher payment? Yeah, sometimes I wish I had a little bit mo- more monthly to kind of play with on our investments, but I think it is what it is. So our mortgage is right around 1600 a month. And for our listeners, the 15-year fixed is the leanest mortgage, meaning you're going to pay the least amount in interest, but therefore you have a higher payment. Yes. So I I, I did all the math and decided I you know wanted to save the money on the interest, but sometimes I'm like, man, we're really we're really hitting that every month. So <laughs> yeah, it's a big number. So okay, so we have 1,600 for the mortgage. Yes. So that's definitely like our biggest expense. Then we. Out of our after all of our like work four hundred one k stuff, we each put five hundred into a Roth IRA every month. So that's Perfect. a pretty big number, a thousand yep. that comes out every month on that. Um, and then we so we kind of have some this thing that says like that's our credit card fixed stuff that always comes out of our credit card. It's some little bills and our like charitable giving. Um, so that's about all of that together is about nine hundred. Okay, let me just catch you. Where are we looking at the credit card? Sorry, it says no rewards fixed. Fixed. Okay, perfect. Okay, so we have about 900 for your recurring and just so charitable giving, cell phone, Peloton, Spotify, Wi-Fi, car insurance. Okay, perfect. So we kind of, we break it down by what definitely comes out of the bank every month and then what's flexible or variable. Yeah, so I know that's a good way to do it. Yeah. So then our variable spending is broken out into these different categories, but basically food, car, random life expenses, and now our baby has a category. <laughs> yeah. The, I know, I was thinking that that was the baby category. So babies are expensive. Yeah. yeah. We really are pretty lucky because we have kind of opposite work schedules. And so our childcare expenses will be relatively low. I was going to say the childcare came in pretty low. Yes. You, which you we- have three. 350 for childcare. Yes. Um, you'll laugh. This is like a very Southern thing, but there's a thing called a mother's day out. <laughs> what is that? It is like a half day daycare for stay at home moms. <laughs> oh, really? my husband will take him to a mother's day out in the morning for a half day and he'll office in the morning and he has a lot of evening work. So I'll come and like do the evenings when he leaves. 
Oh, wow. Yep. But Mother's really Day fun. out. Yeah, this is that is new. I like mm-hmm. that. So then yeah. if you were a stay at home mom, you could just do half day so you could go get stuff done. Exactly. But then it works for you too it because you have different us. schedule. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. So you're not paying that full boat all day daycare. Right. Yep. So it's fairly, fairly affordable for us. Perfect. Yeah. So the, the kid category is around 500. We have like a, a life category that's just basically spending money. Um, that's around 400. We have a car category that's gas, which I just added $100 to, which hurt. And yes, because gas we, went up. Yes. And then we just bought a car and we have a car payment now that's around 265 Okay. So car total is almost 700 Yes. Okay. And then our food category is 800 And, you know, we, that just is what we end up spending between groceries and we host a lot. I feel like we have friends over a lot. So our grocery budget is 500 and then our eating out budget is 300 I also like that you put date on there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I don't think I've seen that in the spreadsheet yet. Yeah. We it's break like date our, night. Yeah. Date like so that we have money for us to go out to eat and then money for us. Like if we're out with friends, it's separate. Yep. Nice. Yeah. So all of that comes together in this like big number under variable. And that Which includes, is just about 2,700. Yes. And so that, and then includes like our water, gas, electric, that's also variable depending on the yep. month. And then we do the acorns thing. Okay. So that changes every month, but it's we kind of an average of around seventy five dollars a month. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And then okay, and so then that twenty seven hundred, the life is haircut, <laughs> fun money, <laughs> entertainment, dog, the baby categories of five five hundred, the cars the seven hundred, and so so between food, car, life, baby, and then your utilities and acorns, we're at twenty seven hundred. Yes. Okay, perfect. And then let's see here. So that's the top row, and then we have your quarterly expenses are in blue. Yeah. Right? Okay. So this is okay. kind of a category that I might want to talk about later. Okay. Uh, yeah, we could do it now, I guess. So kind of, our, that's all of our big expenses. And then we have basically, it's like what would be like a sinking fund um, of stuff that we pay kind of randomly throughout the year, trash, termite, HOA, and then like random car stuff, vacation, random medical stuff, and like random big house stuff that can come up. Okay. And this, we took averages from the last couple of years of what we were spending and just said, okay, we, we're going to need that throughout the year. Yep. But we don't, we, for a while, we're moving it back and forth between our savings and our checking. Every month we would like put that money in and then whatever we spent that month, we would bring it back. And at some point it kind of became like, well, we end up spending most of this money every month on one of these things. Okay. Yep. Because so they all hit at different times. Yes. So generally, we kind of just have that as a as a buffer in the budget for those big things. Okay. And then if at the end of the month we didn't spend it all, we'll move it into our, our regular savings account. That makes sense. Rather than just funneling it over and then bringing it back every yeah. time. Yep. Okay. So why don't we talk about, so we know we have your, mor- we know you have your mortgage. So we, and we know that we have most of the money. We have 700 left over after all the expenses that we went through. Yes. One of the the big one being obviously Roth at a thousand, the mortgage at sixteen hundred. There's twenty six hundred of your budget, and then we just went over the twenty seven hundred. Uh, that includes everything else. Yep. Yeah, basically everything else. Um, so let's talk about because um, we have another tab on here for accounts. Let's talk about savings and um, yeah. debt, and then we can kind of see where we have some wiggle room. Yep. So we just spent a bunch of our cash on this car. 
So our cash savings is down to 15000 Okay. Um, and then we also have this taxable brokerage account that we don't put money in anymore, but it's at 13000 And so that's kind of like a backup emergency savings. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Kind of like why we felt comfortable paying more cash for the car um, and like dropping that emergency savings number a little bit because if it were a, a serious situation, emergency, you have that brokerage account. Yep. Okay. So yeah, so that brings you up to almost 30000 Yep. in emergency funding. Yes. And then we have, and so half is it in cash and the other portion is in an investment account. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then we have your Roth IRAs. So you've been doing that for a while because- Yes. We both have been doing the Roth IRA since we graduated. Amazing. So yeah. you have just over 37000 and your husband has uh, just over 34000 Correct. Amazing. Okay. And then you have a 401k, which you have just over 33000 in. And yeah. so you're contributing a lot into that. So really, it's only like five fifty of my own money every month. We both have great company contributions. Um, yeah. So you and you're doing post. So you, that's a Roth. That 401k. is a Roth. Yep. Got so it. I contribute eight okay. percent post tax into the Roth, and then my company they match fifty percent on the dollar up to eight percent. Amazing. So basically four percent, and then they auto contribute five percent so oh they auto contribute five percent yeah so it ends up being nine percent of the company money which is all pre-tax obviously i was just going to say so it's not all so the thirty-three thousand portion of it is roth and then portion of it is yes it's pretty it's it's pretty close to half and half i think okay and the reason why the company contributions are pre-tax is because the company gets a tax break for doing it that's why they do it pre-tax yep yeah, so my company moved from pension to not no pension about 10 years ago. And their kind of like way to make up for taking the pension away was to do that 5% auto contribution, which, you know, it is something. It's nice because you don't have the time. Like I, I'll be vested at three years rather than having that intense time piece of the pension. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Perfect. And you'll be vested in the 401k at, at three years. Yes. Yeah. So they have, so it's like 30, 30, and then a hundred mm-hmm. for the S schedule. Okay. All right. And then your husband has two 401ks, his current one and then his former one. Yes. So he was a teacher and he has that like basically $9,000 in that account. That is, okay. we have access to it and we're tracking it, but it is just sitting. And then he has his, and when he was a teacher, was it a 401k or is it a 403b? Ooh, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't actually know that for sure. Okay, because you know I don't know, but you could always see about combining them. If his new com- new place of employment is a also a nonprofit, it might also be a four hundred three b, and you might be able to combine them. You just have to ask if you want it to have one less. I have thought about it a couple times, and I basically got to the got to, a couple years ago was like let's just have tabs on it, and then yeah, we can figure it out when at some point. But it might be good to do that. And with his new employer, it's a good match. Yeah, it's a great match. So he gets, yeah, it's an 11%. It's similar. I think I, some of it was a match and some of it was an auto contribution. I don't okay. I don't remember the breakdown on his. Okay. And so between everything, so he has 44,000, just over 44,000 in his new one. Mm-hmm. So between everything, including the emergency fund, you have 186,000 saved. Yes. Which is amazing. Thanks. Yeah. I think, I think like everyone on here, you're always like, it's not enough, but is it okay? <laughs> I don't know. 
but yeah no um, that's that's a good amount yeah we're he we're both 29 I think I think that's both of our sal. yeah with it with just the retirement I think it is both of our salaries yes yep. and that's like one of the benchmarks is like have you saved your salary amount up so that's great and you know I love to do like the quick well, not quick math, but yeah. you know, what would it work out to be if you didn't save another dollar? That's and awesome. so, you know, if you take it, we'll just round up and use because I love round numbers. So if you just you say we have two hundred thousand, then at thirty nine it's four hundred thousand, then at forty nine it's eight hundred thousand, fifty nine it's one point six, and then we took it out to sixty nine, which is a long time, but that's three point two. But you're obviously that's without adding anything, right? Yeah, and that's we'll, kind we'll of our adding. goal. It was one of our goals, basically, just to. I, I we're nowhere near or thinking about fire, you know, mm-hmm. retiring fully early, but just to be able to have the flexibility that if we wanted to do something different and we weren't able to contribute as much to retirement in the future, that we would have the ability to do that. No, I think you've done a great job. I'm impressed that you've been doing the Roths for as long as you have. Yeah, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then- it's funny because I'm always like, where do people's money go? How do people afford things? And then I'm like, ah, yes, we are sending our money into like away from us every month and that's yes because you have a high saving ratios for how much you're contributing to the 401ks and then you're doing the Roth and then you did a 15 year mortgage for most people do 30 right because that would have given you more breathing room right but when you're looking at your house value your house is valued at um, 275,000 you have 160 left on the mortgage Right. So, and that, you know, at a point in the future. So when did you take that out? So we took, we took the mortgage out two and a half years ago. Our house is just obviously like everyone else has appreciated a ton. We, we, we bought it at 210. And so I don't know that we would get 270 for it, but I, I mean, houses in our neighborhood are going for around that that are similar to ours. So, wow. But you'll be done with it in, in 2035, totally done, paid off. Yeah. And then that, 1600 goes right back in your budget. I know, which would be amazing. <laughs> which is a lot. Hello, lovelies. Barbara here. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I wanted to bring you a quick update. We are now starting the coaching program on July 20th. So the new start date is July 20th. The times will be the same, 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern, and it will run for five weeks. If you can't make an individual session, we can send you the video. In the individual um, sessions, you will be able to ask questions. There'll be a Q&A following each session. And additionally, there'll be a dedicated Slack channel for all the participants so that you can chat amongst yourself and ask questions to me in between the various sessions. If you are interested, you can sign up on our website, www.futurerichpodcast.com and click on coaching. Additionally, if you have any questions at all, please shoot me a DM on our Instagram, Future Rich Podcast. And if you're wondering if this is for you, you have already taken the first step because you are listening to a personal finance podcast. Thanks for listening. So what questions do you have? Oh, you have a car, you have a car, you have a car loan of 14,000 car value is 34, which I I hate. It's like breaking me, but basically we did the world's most cliche thing. We had a baby. We both were driving like junkers. We had a baby. Then we were driving him around one day and the car like broke. It basically like almost broke down in the middle of an intersection. Oh no. I was like, okay, that's it. I'm never driving this car again. (laughs) And we bought a really expensive car. So 
now we have a car payment <laughs> and a baby <laughs> and a baby to other expenses yes yep. but it's important to have a safe car to drive when you have a baby yes I suppose it is <laughs> so what questions do you have yeah so really my biggest question and I don't know like I think it's a little bit of a tax kind of question is okay we're we're wanting to obviously start saving for college for the little guy yep and I I just feel like kind of paralyzed about it. I obviously know that there are lots of options, but I can't decide, you know, how to weigh the value of the flexibility versus the tax breaks of a 529 versus just doing a taxable brokerage account. And then like, I think there are some options of putting things in his name that I don't really understand. And I don't know if that's something that you like have thoughts on. Sure. So those are all options. It would be a custodial account. So it would be right. in your name for the benefit of the child. The child's okay. not old enough. The 529 is a very flexible option given that it's government created. I feel like the government, usually if you if they give you something in terms of a tax break, they take something away. Uh-huh. I really think that the 529 is a very flexible program given that they do give you tax breaks. Uh-huh. So essentially it depends on your state where you are. Certain states give a little bit of a tax break for contributing to it, which is limited by contribution amount and then dependent on state. Okay. Um, but once the money is in the 529, it grows tax deferred. And then if used for an eligible expense, it does come out tax-free. Okay. The flexibility part that I think is really nice about it is, let's say your child doesn't go to college, right? right. It can be used for... or or traditional college. It can be used for trade and vocational schools. It can be used for community colleges, seminaries, international schools, study about abroad programs, private K through 12, apprenticeships. It can be used for room and board, books and supplies, computer and supplies. It is super flexible. The other part that I think is really interesting, any, well, I'll get to the really interesting part. Anybody can contribute as well. Like you can contribute grandparents, extended friends and family. So a lot Mm -hmm. of flexibility from that standpoint, but also it can be transferred to another child. Like, so if you have another child and the older child doesn't go and the younger child does, you could transfer it and use it for the younger child. Right. I think that's what my parents did, which was smart. They had four kids. And so they just opened one in my oldest sister's name and then they bumped it down every time we started a new one started college. Yeah. So you can change the, ben- yeah. the beneficiary of it, which is really, so essentially you open it for a child, oldest child as beneficiary, but you can change it to middle child, younger child. I just would have to double check, but I believe you can also transfer it within the family tree as well. That's right. And I think it can even like their children in theory. Can yes. That was what I was going to say is the interesting part is your older child and there's like a time restriction. It's like not indefinite because nothing's okay. indefinite with the government. You can't be like, it's in perpetuity, but your child, your older child, if they decide they're not going to go to any sort of vocational trade school, college, what have you. And you decide you only have one child, then it can be transferred to technically your your grandchild. When your child has a child, it can be moved that way as well. Cool. So I think I like the idea of doing some money in a 529. I just am having a hard time thinking about how much and then like at what point, I don't know. I just have had a hard time balancing saving for college for our kid, potentially like increasing any of our retirement money and then just needing to have a little bit more cash buffer 
in our life. I think eventually mm-hmm. I drive like an 07 that I, it, I think I have at least five more years out of like eventually we'll need another car, that kind of stuff. Just how to like weigh that out and, and what would be a realistic amount to think about saving. So here's my take on higher education. And this is for, you know, there are some people who have really strong opinions. Like I definitively want to pay for college. I'm of the belief where just like if you're flying, you put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Right. That's my attitude. Like make sure that you're in you and your husband are in good financial position first. And then from there you can provide financial benefits to your children. Cause if you're in a bad position financially, you can't provide that much help anyway. And then they anyway strapped with helping us out someday. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever Um, it is. So I would say of the 700 you have left over, you could figure 250 a month goes into a college savings. Okay. The rest goes for, you know, that's a, a, it's a great number. You're doing something. It's obviously something you contribute. Your baby's two months old. You have 18 years to contribute. Right. As you saw how much of a progress you made with the Roth, it will be similar. Right. And then that way you still have, it's not the whole 700. Because if you, you know, 20 years down the road, we don't know what will happen. You could always say, you know, our mortgage is paid off. That's $1,600 back in your your budget. Maybe you say at that point, we'll give you 400 a month towards helping with tuition because now right. you have more room in your budget. True. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's because that's a big number back in your budget. Right, right. In 15 years, which is three years before college, right? For your first child. Yeah. So that adds up really quickly, 1600 and you'll have already done something. And then that way you can determine like, okay, for the next three years, we're going to save exclusively for college because we're we don't have a car loan. Our retirement accounts have done really well. We've, you know, we've gotten raises. So mm-hmm. I think that's where I would start because I agree with you. You don't want to be cash strapped. You're doing a right. great job with the 15 year mortgage. You're doing a great job saving a lot for retirement. So I don't, I don't think you need to do all 700 to, towards the 529 because we have 20 years. I would do something and then you could save that amount to help with the car loan or the next car, next car that you need. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So if we take 250 out of the money remaining, I kind of feel like we need about 500, or I guess I'd be a little shy of that. To So we used to save $1,000 a month into our like cash savings, but then we just dumped it all into this car. And, and so uh, now that number is like, an, obviously going to be what we would have available to move into cash savings is going to be lower, but I like the idea of continuing to grow that sum, grow that back some. What do you think about that? Or do you think we should be trying to like put that money more to work? No, I think having you could, cause you already have the, you just the 15, not just you have 15,000 yeah. right. in that and the rest is invested. So I think bulking up that savings is it's essentially a sinking fund, right? We know you're going to need another car and we already have a yes. car payment. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would lean towards bumping up because now you have a dependent, right? We have a two month old. Right. So I think there's nothing wrong with bumping up the savings. Okay. And I looked it up with the state of Georgia. You do get a bit of a a tax break tax break for doing the 529. Yes. Cool. That was another thing I, re- I didn't really realize at some point I was reading about the 529 is that you don't necessarily have to use the one from your state. Is that correct? But right? typically you don't get the, the state, ta- you don't get the tax break if you don't right. use your states. Okay. So yes, no, you don't have to use your states, not mandated that you use 
your state, uh, Georgia's 529 plan, or for instance, New York's 529 plan. But typically you don't get the tax break if you don't use your one. Okay. I guess I just, the article was saying like, these are the best 529 plans available or whatever. And I wouldn't have realized that there was big differences between the different states options. Is that like what you're able to invest it in once it's in the yes. 529? Yeah. So you would have to look to see, I don't, I don't know Georgia's 529 plan who, who runs it, what their investment options are, right. but I, that would be something to evaluate. Um, what is Georgia's 529 plan look like? What are the investment options? Is it very restrictive? Is it not worth this, the tax break because there's only four choices? I don't, I just okay. don't know your state right. plan. Right. Okay. But I, but I would look at it. Um, I will say I've looked at New York state's plan and I think they do a great job. So cool. I think it just depends on the state. And I was yeah. just going to, I'm looking at the state guide. Obviously we have you know 50 states. So <laughs> lots of options, right? Lots of options. So some states don't give a benefit for the specific state's 529 plan. Some states like New York and Georgia do give you that tax benefit for using the in-state plan. Um, and then other states, you know, are obviously the hybrid where they give a benefit for um, any state's 529 plan, meaning you get a benefit no matter whose state you go through just for doing it. Cool. Yeah. Huh. So my other question about all of that. So when basically when I was 22 and I didn't know what I was doing, we opened these Roth IRA accounts through uh, like an advisor. Okay. He manages all of it. And I think those accounts honestly do about as well as both of our workplace plans. Okay. And I, I like, he's a friend. I'm, I'm good with that money being there. I just have been going back and forth on if I should open up a 529 with him or if I should just like get on Vanguard or whatever. I know you can't say like what version of that to do. Well, so that's where I would look to see. I would ask him which one he offers because usually the state plan's not overseen by an advisor. It's oh, through really? the state. Okay. Yeah. I so I would that. yeah, so I would go and ask. Okay. You could ask say we're interested in doing a 529 and then that individual should tell you like what they should know something about the Georgia plan. Um, yeah. And maybe the Georgia plan is overseen by an advisor. I know in New York state, it's not, it's okay. like you do it yourself through the actual state plan. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, it wouldn't be, I don't know who does Georgia's, but I know that. I do. So I would start by asking and then see what your advisor says and then okay. go from there. Got it. But usually it's like a government site. Like, okay, I didn't realize that. I just kind of imagined it similarly as like an IRA, a, like you... a brokerage account. Yeah, yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit, a little bit different. Okay, that's good to know. Cool. But but they're all the five twenty nine is like a federal one, and then they have the different the fifty states each have their own. But the concept of the five twenty nine is the same. It just depends on the tax break and what the state plan investments offer. Okay. Man, I feel like similarly about saving for college as I do about saving for retirement, where it's like, it's never going to be enough. And I think that sometimes feels overwhelming. But I, I like your idea of just like, just do something and, and then make yes, yes, yeah, start where, where you are. I think that you've done, I mean, you have a lot saved for retirement, you have a 15 year mortgage, you just have that car loan, which you just took out, right? But you have, a, it's a relatively small car loan relative to the car, right? So what I would do is just start at the 529. I would find out from your advisor. Uh-huh. Your advisors in Georgia should know more about what's available to you 
for the Georgia plan. And okay. if they recommend one outside of the Georgia plan, just ask like, is there a tax break for it? I don't think there will be, but that would be your, the two differentiators would be, do you get a tax break or do you not? And then what are the investment choice differences? Okay, cool. And then I would start there. And I, I think that you'd better off saving more cash. It'll just give you more optionality down the road. Right. That's kind of my gut. I just was wanting to get someone else to like accept that a little bit. <laughs> to, to confirm that. Yeah. I And I think the other thing just generally like, do you, I always wonder how people handle the, the like the stuff that's in blue, that's random th- stuff that we have to pay for throughout the year. Like how do most people handle those expenses? Do they just save cash and then pull it out when they need it? Or I don't, I just, think that that's a part of our budget that I feel confused about sometimes. I agree with you that the quarterly or every six, like twice a year, once a year is hard and everybody has a different way to budget. Like, so some people find, like we're doing a bunch of podcasts today. So another podcast I did today, the woman I interviewed, she found line iteming it to be too restrictive. Right. So she doesn't do that. So everyone does it a little bit differently. So I really think it's important just to find what works for you so that you're hitting all your targets. So whether that's line iteming, like you've done, like here are different silos of our area of our budget. Uh If that works well for you and you're hitting everything, that's great. If it doesn't work for other people, so I don't want them to do it. I think that the moving back and forth, I agree with you that I think it would be easier just to leave it in your checking account. And then if it's not spent move it over to your savings right because moving it back and forth is annoying like if you're you know some of it is gonna hit at different times yeah I think it's the one place in my life where I wish I could use cash (laughs) like I just like actually pay for it with dollar bills (laughs) because I'm like I you know if there's a month where none of this hits and we're like oh we did really good maybe we can like go out to eat again or buy a thing that we don't need it's like the place where we have buffer that sometimes I think we lack discipline, but I guess what, what you could do for some of it, like the vacation savings isn't going to happen month. It, it's not like a bill right. that comes every six months. What you could do for those is you could auto, like just in case you need it more buffer, you could auto save that at $75 a month. That's interesting. Yeah. So it automatically goes over. Like you yeah. could do a couple of them as auto because some of them aren't going to come up monthly right and then that way your cash is growing by more so if when you do take a vacation then you can pull and you can line item your savings so you could have your emergency fund be the 15 and then auto contribute why don't we just say 250 for like vacation house maintenance yeah because that stuff doesn't come up every month and then that could auto transfer into a different line item in your savings as vacation right house house issues or whatever yeah that makes sense i think that's kind of I I mentally have always had in the, in the savings account, like 15,000 is the, is the emergency savings. And then we started saving for a car and I thought we had enough. And then it's like, well, again, it's never enough. And so (laughs) that, that all got kind of jumbled, like what was for the car and what was some of this like buffer stuff. But I think now that we've gotten through the car, it, it will make, it will be a little bit more clear, clear cut in our accounts. Yeah. And plus we, you still have that 700 left over. And if we're only taking, not only, but if you're using 250, Mm -hmm. um, then that's like 450. And then all the sinking fund stuff is like 600. Mm -hmm. I think you'll get that number up high again. And I would just line item them. Yeah. Okay. Cause I like knowing like what's for emergency and and then like what is for house maintenance, what's for vacation. Uh Uh-huh. 
Yeah, that's true. That's good. Yeah. But overall, I think you're, you're doing a good job, but I, I, it's my personal take with the, with the college savings, especially because we have so, you know, we're doing so much for retirement and all the other things. And I think you should focus on you and your husband and getting, making sure you're financially stable before we, you know, don't over contribute to college. That's my personal opinion on it. I think that's smart. I also have uh, the last couple of podcasts you've said uh, like several times that you don't like the idea of thinking about the Roth as available because there are, you know, all of those exceptions to where you can get into that money yes. if you needed it. And I think it was good for me to hear because in my head I've always been like, well, you know, if it came down to it, we could use, I think, because I think you can use some of that money for college. Yes, you, yes, you can. Yeah, um, and some people do do that. Yes, but I think I was like, I need to get that out of my head. That's that's like, that needs to be. The only, the way I came to form that opinion was I've seen people who have sacrificed um, to put their kids through college. Right. And not all of them, and, you know, delayed retirement, where it feels like a good idea, we'll just say, like, in your 50s, right? And you're like, I'll just work. I'm going to work longer because I really want my child to have this college experience. And now they're working later into their 60s. And they're honestly just tired. Uh They thought when they made that decision. It would be fine. Yeah. That they'd be fine. And they would, you don't, you know, 10 years later, you, your body feels different. Right. Right. Yeah. And so I've had some people say, you know, the, the target retirement date is later because we, we, use money for college. No, and that's not everybody. I've seen a few instances of that where I'm like, gosh, I wish I wasn't the person who advised on that. Like I wish it had been the opposite and they were retired and helping the child pay some student loans or the child maybe hadn't gone to an as expensive school. Right. Um, and some people feel very strongly about giving that experience to their child and they're fine. Their situation worked out better, but I've also seen it where it didn't work out as well for the right. parent. And I'm always just, you know, I don't know, yeah, it's hard. your health can change when you're right. older like yeah. that. And, yeah. and you don't want to end up being a burden then to yep. the ch- child. So I think that we've just, so Blake had to take out a pretty good amount of student loans for undergrad. Obviously, like, he could have made different choices. He was 18, you know, I know. Tough. but we spent the first, you know, five years of our life just like, you know, having to really work through paying that off and it was hard. And, and we were like, man, we just really don't want our kid to have to do that. But I guess there's like, so we see the extreme of that side of it. And then mm-hmm. there's obviously the the other side of it of like, you know, saving too much and then setting yourself up poorly. Right. And honestly, I really hope that in 18 or 20 years that the student loans are not as predatory and that college pricing has come down to be something that you know, like when my dad went to college, like you could pay for it with your summer job. Right. I know. I think that's the other part of the 529 thing that has made me nervous. It's like, cause I also hope for that, that someday college isn't quite so expensive. And so if we pour all this money into a 529 mm-hmm. and then tuition does come down or adjust in some way, then we, I don't know, like, do we not have access to that money anymore? Well, you still have access to it. You would just pay taxes on it if it's not used for an eligible expense. But I agree with you. Like you'll have more clarity on that. You'll be, you and your husband will be in a better financial situation in 10 years. And then you could always say, we're upping the time. You know, we both got raises. You know, we're almost done with the mortgage. We're going to up the 529 from 250 to 500. You know, you just have a lot. We have a lot of time still. To adjust. That's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the thing is we put this in place today, but 
in two years you can adjust, you know, right. Incomes might be different, or maybe you have another child, you know, there's a lot of things that can happen. So my dad always described it as like, and I don't know where he came up with this analogy because he definitely doesn't garden, but he's like, you put together the garden and then every year you go and like weed it and make sure it looks good, but you can always adjust it. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's good. Perfect. Well, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And so for all of our lovely listeners, you can follow us on Instagram for our most up-to-date information, Future Rich Podcast, or check us out online at www.futurerichpodcast.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.